How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. An Erio's original. With anti-Asian hate crimes at record numbers, this season of The Margaret Cho... We're examining the historical crimes that laid the groundwork for this recent onslaught of violence. I talk with Asian comedians, authors, journalists, podcasters, as well as the organizations and people working to stop Asian hate. Welcome to the Margaret Cho Mortal Minority. Today we're talking about the unsolved 2017 murder of a Chinese-American teenager that has recently been reclassified as a hate crime. Also, our historic event is the anti-Chinese laws in the Bay Area town Antioch that led to the destruction of its Chinatown in 1876. My guest today is comedian and actor we just finished a um, whole long great storyline on her TV show Good Trouble, which is uh, a really it was it was really exciting and really fun, and um, I'm just excited to have her on. It's Sherry Cola. Hi, my love. <laughs> Hello, my love. Hi. Oh my goodness, Queen. I'm so excited to have you on. I can't believe well you didn't finish today. You finished tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow's the last day, babe. Right? Oh my goodness. Blessings. So Sherry, Sherry and I just finished a great season of Good Trouble, which I was so excited to be on. I mean, we had the best time. We had such a good time, and it was such a blessing. And I'm just so grateful to share the screen uh, with Margaret Fucking Cho. I mean, it's just the best. Now, um, I mean, it ultimately, it's the bright spot in a kind of a difficult time. Mm-hmm. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, how how are you feeling with everything going on? I mean, it's, you know, it's, nuts. it's so complex, isn't it? Because this goes so far back, these, these feelings, these emotions, and they're kind of erupting right now. Um, yeah. So many uh, things that we've had bottled up for years. 
Um, and mm. now you kind of see the fight and the strength of the community because we're at our wit's end, you know, with all these stories, yeah. all these hate crimes. And to be honest, it's not new to us. You know, there's a lot of things in American history that we've been aware of and the world is barely learning about now. Um, so the fact mm. that there's awareness around it, it, it's kind of overdue, but we're having these conversations, yeah. which is really kind of cool to see. Cause like I said, you know, like society has put us in this box of like, Oh, let's, be hush hush about it. Let's not rock the boat. Let's not be too loud, etc. Which, of course, you know, you never fit that mold, which is why you're such an inspiration. Um, but, oh, you. you know, I think all of us as a community, we're kind of realizing like this is the last straw and, and, and kind of spotlighting these stories um, is really important. I know. I mean, it's I was actually watching um, Dion Lim, who whose Instagram I often go on her and um, Sifan on Instagram. They usually post a lot. They're like a good source to sort of figure out what's happening every day. And so it's like Sifan is like in sort of the New York journalism. And then Dion Lim is the Bay Area in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she um, was talking today about how, you know, every day she wakes up and it's like how many Asian American elders were attacked today. Right. And how devastating it is for her. And because she's really um kind of where we're all getting our information. So everybody kind of goes to her if there is a story. And so it's just it's such a terrifying thing, but she's saying that she feels a lot of hope and that the community is uniting mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. all this violence. Mm -hmm. And it I agree. I feel like there's got to be some hopeful news. At least we're coming together. Absolutely. And that is, once again, this weird silver lining that we are celebrating this unity uh, within the community yeah. uh, in so many ways. Yeah. Like, because even, you know, in the years past, even if we're talking about Asians in the industry, it was you know, more competitive only because we were brainwashed into thinking there was only one spot, you know? So now we're right. at this place where we just empower each other and we're really hand in hand um, in this journey, in this fight to uh, be seen and, 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 you know, prove that we deserve to be not only in the industry, but in this country. Cause you know, I mean, we've been here for so long. It's like, my parents are immigrants, your parents are immigrants, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like that whole, you know, it really puts things in perspective because you know, this year, it's like I've had conversations with my mom, you know, that I haven't had my entire life. You know, we're finally opening up these conversations because we realize how necessary it is, you know, and, and, yeah. and I do feel that fire in a good way. In a really good way. Mm -hmm. I think that there's I mean, there's things happening. And I mean, it, it's it's almost as if um, we're kind of leaving the cloak of invisibility behind and mm -hmm. emerging Mm -hmm. as visible and strong. And I think it's really important. And, you know, there have been uh, a lot of changes. And so I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about the, the modern crime that we're, we're sort of, it's not modern, it's 2017. So this isn't in the last year or the last even few months of uh, this year. This is from 2017. And it's an unsolved murder of uh, Maggie Long. And this is from the New York Times. For three and a half years, the killing of a Chinese-American teenager who was set on fire and burned alive in her family's Colorado home has confounded investigators. But now, as the federal government focuses on a spate of attacks targeting Asians, the 2017 killing of the teenager Maggie Long is being investigated as a hate crime. Which I think is really 
I mean, at least there's somebody calling this a hate crime, you know, because before, you know, even with the Atlanta shooting, mm. there was such a uh, denial of mm -hmm. whether or not this was a hate crime. And even over um, all of these different incidents, whether it's the um, FedEx shooting, whether it's um, these different attacks uh, all over the country and in, uh, you know, all over the world, people are first, the first thing they say is, we don't know if it's a hate crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing with Asians being in this weird, blurry, like middle space for so long, right? They didn't know how to define right. us. So they're like, what? No one, no one hates Asians. What are you talking about? Or like, no, racism against the AAPI community absolutely exists. And it's, right. it's historical and it's still current. And yeah, I feel like it's, it, it's really, I mean, once again, uh, uh, an interesting circumstance, but the fact that the Maggie Long case has resurfaced, like, I'm so glad that, you know, it, it's it's opened up again because it took, you know, these hate crimes in the current day to make people re rethink and reconsider that one. I mean, I'll take it. You know what I mean? I'm like, let's yeah. fucking open all of them up, you know? It's really incredible that they're doing this. And so um, this is back to the New York Times. Um, Maggie's sister, Connie, said in an interview that she was told by an investigator that the decision to treat the homicide as a hate crime was a tactical one that would provide law enforcement officers with more money and resources to try to solve the case. It was not prompted by a specific development in the case, but with the media attention on anti-Asian hate in the country, there's been another look at our case with that lens. It's definitely a new angle that will bring new answers. So this is what happened. On the night of December 1st, 2017, Sheriff's deputies responded to a fire at the Long's home in Bailey, a small town in the mountains about 45 miles southwest of Denver. Emergency responders had reported receiving a 911 call that people had caused damage to the home. When firefighters put out the blaze, they discovered Maggie's remains, according to the authorities, who said they also found evidence of a physical struggle. Maggie's parents were born in a Chinese community in North Vietnam and fled to the United States during the Vietnam War. They owned two local Chinese restaurants and a liquor store. On the night of her death, Maggie had gone home to get refreshments and snacks for a high school concert, which she had been in charge of a VIP lounge, and she never showed up to the concert. Connie Long said that she had not considered at the time that Maggie's killing could have been racially motivated, but said that her family had been keenly aware that few people in their small town looked like them. Which I think, I mean, I, I you know, I never understood exactly legally what it meant to call something a hate crime and whether mm. or not it was or not. And I mean, I, I think that it is really one of these things where if, if it is deemed a hate crime that the uh, law enforcement gets more resources mm -hmm. to like, they have more access to resources to solve it. Right. Which I think is a, a, I think it's a good thing. And I think that it's a really important thing to look at. Yeah. I mean, but, for us, it's, it's like so clearly a hate crime because like she was the mm -hmm. minority in her town. You know what I mean? And like, right. there, there, I mean, we already know one, she's 17, like teenagers can be very cruel when it comes to, you know, discrimination and things like that. We don't know what was going on there. And like, I, I just, you know, the whole hate crime thing, it's like, like once they call it a hate crime, that's when they actually give energy to solving it. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, right. well, they should have already been trying to crack this case and, and getting to the bottom of right. what happened with this girl. You know, it's so easy to just brush off um, and ignore, you know, these mm -hmm. crimes, because like you said, for, for so long, it's 
you know, we were seen as invisible and unimportant. So when this mm-hmm. he- hits the headlines, you know, it was so easy for people to ignore because they didn't understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that's happening. I mean, it's like a terrible, a, a really terrible crime. It, it, it To me, it's like a really horrific thing to mm-hmm. happen in your house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for her parents to, you know, have to live through this, it's like really, I mean, it, it's also you're like piling trauma upon trauma. If you're, if you're trying, to, you're fleeing Vietnam mm-hmm. to the United States during the war and then coming here and thinking that you're going to find a safe haven here. Oh, it's just and so then, you know, heartbreaking. And you know, for this to happen. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Especially, yeah, we talk about the, the, the parents, the family owning these Asian businesses in town. And like, you know, my mom has a restaurant yeah. in, a, uh, in San Gabriel. And, you know, she's a small business owner. She started from scratch. You know, they, they immigrate here yeah. with their heads down with a pure motivation to survive right? Put food on the table. Mm -hmm. They don't live for themselves. These immigrant parents do not live for themselves. And the fact that they had their daughter Maggie and they go home to the fucking house burned and their daughter dead. Like that is horrible. You know what I mean? That's not the, that's not the American dream by any means. No, it's a terrible nightmare. And, um, we're going to get into our historic subject, another nightmare. Um, the destruction of Antioch's Chinatown in 1876 after this quick break. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, we're back. <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back. We're back with the war. This is like okay. This particular incident. Now, I was aware. I've been doing so much research on all of the different Chinatowns from 1849 on, mm-hmm. and there were about 200 Chinatowns all over America, and um, pretty much all of them were destroyed, except for San Francisco. <laughs> that was like one left standing, um, mm-hmm. but. This one, Antioch, which is not far from San Francisco, this one was so hard to find a research materials for. There's no documentaries. You know, usually at least for any of these incidents, I could find at least one solid Portland public television documentary on YouTube. Like, Mm -hmm. I could find one (laughs) solid, like, Wyoming public television. There is no public television coverage of this particular Terrible incident. So this is from this SF Gate, the one article I found in the SF Gate. Okay. Before the white residents of Antioch burned down Chinatown in 1876, they banned Chinese people from walking the city streets after sunset. In order to get from their jobs to their homes each evening, the Chinese residents built a series of tunnels connecting the business district to where I Street met the waterfront. There, a small Chinatown and a cluster of houseboats made up the immigrant settlement. If they ever felt safe there, it was fleeting. Above the tunnels and outside their doors, the threat of violence was simmering. See, this is a movie for us because we could totally be in the tunnel. <laughs> it would be like 
scary. It's uh, frightening, and I can definitely see us uh, in a tunnel, uh, just <laughs> trying to do we're our best. We're just digging in the tunnels. I mean, because these people were just like, oh my goodness, uh, you know, it, it's just so like hard to wrap my head around. You know, they were just trying to make a a living, but like just scared for their lives because they were not welcome. And having to dig, I mean, that to me is like talk about like going underground, I mean, in a, in a very literal way. And this story has been buried. Mm-hmm. So the story is like underground as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, but the incredible resourcefulness of them, like, we'll just build a tunnel. We're going to do this. We're just going to build a tunnel, which mm-hmm. is to me, it's like so incredible. Yeah. And, and really also quite beautiful. Yeah. And like how resourceful and resilient we are as a community through and through. You know, like just finding ways um, to to still make things happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm really I I really admire that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so in this one article that I found, <laughs> continues, the citizens of Antioch have been endeavoring to rid themselves of the Chinese for some time. The Sacramento Bee wrote in the spring of 1876. The excuse they were waiting for came. On April 29, 1876, according to newspaper reports, a doctor in Antioch made public the knowledge that a handful of young men he treated showed signs of venereal disease. The doctor pointed the finger at Chinese sex workers. He knew what he was doing. <sighs> Which, I mean... <sighs> it's just so easy, first of all, for white people to blame um, <laughs> others, <laughs> first and foremost. Yeah. And it just, you know, they wanted Chinese people to be the enemy so badly. Yeah. But also, like, you know, it takes two or more for an STD Yeah, You don't exactly. just, like, catch it. It's not... The STDs require a little bit of effort on both parts. Absolutely. To catch it. You don't just, like... <laughs> Pick it up, you know, it's not like you pick it up from a toilet seat. It's not like, I mean, to me, it's like such a, why are you um, blaming the sex workers when clearly it's like, you know, it it, to me, of course, I understand why he would want to do that. It's again to other, these sex workers, to other the Chinese to um, get them out. Yeah. So continuing, outrage ripped through the town, a mob quickly formed. Some urged murdering the women, but, quote, better counsels prevailed, unquote, um, a wire report recounted. Instead, a swarm of four dozen angry white men went door to door in Chinatown, telling occupants they had until 3 p.m. to leave town, no exceptions. Young, old men, women, healthy and deathly ill, had just hours to pack up and depart. It must have been an eerie sight. A crowd of frightened Chinese immigrants, their belongings knotted up into kerchiefs, standing silently in line at the dock, awaiting ferries to San Francisco and Stockton. I mean, can you imagine? The, I mean, it's just like, yeah, to me, it's just so infuriating and so sickening. Okay. The Lightning of Caucasian Wrath. Sounds like a heavy metal band. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw them the, um, at the Troubadour, actually. <laughs> Back at the Tribune, Caucasian wrath, <laughs> Caucasian wrath upon Mongolia has struck. <laughs> the, the Mercury News wrote, but the spark it ignited had only just started to burn. In the decades following the gold rush, no immigrant group was as loathed as the Chinese. Their that hatred became endemic to California. 
planted and nourished by politicians, city leaders, and the media. And it's, you know, it's again a case of the Kung flu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The China virus. Yeah, it's, it's like that it's same the exact same thing. It's like this this idea that we're foreigners. You know what I mean? The whole go back to your country. Like, look how far back it goes and look how like relevant it still is. Like it, it's it blows mm-hmm. my mind. Still relevant and still a totally happening and um so this is back to the article. Anti-Chinese sentiment is right, patriotic, and in every sense American, the Los Angeles Herald declared in 1876. Unbelievable. It's so, I mean, it just... It's so crazy. And these, you know, traditions, to be honest, these beliefs have carried on uh, for generations and generations that's why racism is still so, you know, dominant in this country is because like these people who who believe this headline, you know, back in 1876, there are people who, you know, because their families, you know, were so are so anti-Asian, like it's still carrying on to the people today. And that's this idea that, you know, Asian is not American, you know? Right. It's these these old beliefs that are they're really baked into the consciousness of what America is it's like people don't realize that they're like buying into something that was put down in like 1849 really mm-hmm. because of fear of just any anybody like it's a very strange thing where we're just hanging on to these ideas so by the 1870s California had moved from local or ordinances like Antioch street ban where we had to go underground to creating entire anti-chinese political parties uh, Dennis Kearney from San Francisco, who was also an immigrant from Ireland, formed the Workingmen's Party of California, and its stated goal was to eradicate Chinese workers, and its infamous slogan was, the Chinese must go. It banned corporations from hiring Chinese or Mongolian people, which, I mean... <laughs> it's just... I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and it's oddly it, so specific. <laughs> it's so specific. It's like... Chinese or Mongolian, which I think is like, okay, I mean, all right. Um, But it said, no Chinese shall be employed in any state, county, municipal, or other public work except in punishment for crime. Wow. So they, I don't understand what that means. So they can be, they can work in the prison? No, basically, I think, I'm not kidding. I think that it means the Chinese people cannot have any occupation except uh, prisoners. I think that's literally what it means. Oh, they can they can be prisoners. I think that's it. Yes. I, I yeah. think that's what that's saying. That's probably what that's saying. And three years later, the, the Federal Chinese Exclusion Act would bar all Chinese laborers from emigrating altogether. I mean, and here's the so, thing too, Margaret, like even the Chinese Exclusion Act, people did not even know about that before this year. You know, like I'm having no. these conversations now and it's like these... Things were not taught in history books. The AAPI struggle was not at all highlighted uh, when we were younger. You know what I mean? Like it it just, you know, I think us having this conversation now and so many conversations around us, I think it's finally going to maybe make its way into American history because it is American history. It's fucked up. It is. You know? Yeah. 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 But it's totally erased. I mean, it's just erased because it it makes... These people that are supposed to be like the founding fathers, it makes them look bad. Yeah. Which they should look bad well, because for, for many, many reasons, they should look bad. A hundred percent. And you with know? us having this like 
bullshit mold that of course society in this country gave us of the model minority it's like oh well we can't show asians not being perfect or some bullshit you know what i mean it's like it's like right. we, we we can't show that they ever you know like <laughs> uh struggled you know i think it's just you know it was this country and society constantly trying to tell us what we are and now we're just like no fuck that right that's wrong so it was in this hateful, volatile atmosphere that white Californians began setting arson fires in Chinatowns. It was easy to burn down entire settlements because laws often restricted what parts of town they could live in, clustering everyone into the same few blocks. The day after Antioch's Chinatown was emptied, it was physically eradicated. As churchgoers left Sunday services, rumors began to spread that some Chinese residents had returned home. No one now living can reveal exactly what happened next, but by 8 p.m., someone had set Chinatown on fire. A crowd of onlookers and a local fire brigade looked on as flames engulfed homes and buildings. Very little was done to stay the, stay the progress of the fire, but some crews may have gone into action at some point to prevent white homes and businesses from being damaged. The Caucasian Torch which is another heavy metal band. Right, right. I saw them live at the Fonda. At the Fonda. <laughs> the, the, the Fonda, the music box. And the Caucasian Torch wrote the beat, lighted the way of the heathen out of the wilderness. Okay, it's so infuriating. Uh, by yeah. morning, all but two of Chinatown's buildings were raised. The news was met with enthusiasm through the, throughout the state. Uh, the actions of the citizens of this place will, without doubt, meet with hearty approval every, of every man, woman, and child on the Pacific coast, and will go a long way toward convincing people of the eastern states that the Chinese nuisance, that's, that's our band, we're yeah, going to yeah, be the Chinese yeah, yeah, yeah. nuisance. Acapella, acapella group. Uh, yeah, acapella, we're going to be, <laughs> that would be a nuisance. <laughs> no, I, lo I love acapella. I do, I love, I love it. Um, the lion sleeps tonight, I love it. Um, the Chinese nuisance on our seaboard has assumed such vast proportions that is beyond the pale of political issues and has come to be a disgrace that must be wiped out. I, yeah, it's just, it's disgusting. And like, I can't believe the common thread of these two stories, actually, the modern and historical, is the fact that people were set on fire. That literally just yeah. shows you how they didn't even see us as human beings, you know? Yeah. Same with the hate crimes today of how they're treating the elderly and the things that, these horrific yeah. things that they're doing. It's like, we're, we're, we're bugs to them. I know. It's you know so what I mean? sickening. I mean... And it, it is like, it, 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 it's so disheartening mm -hmm. that so many people buy into this, that so many people still believe this. And this is, you know, 150 years ago and still happening. 150 minutes you know? ago, it's still happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be escalating, but I don't think it's even escalating. I think it's just continuing on and we're just finding out more about it. Yeah. No, you're right. Knowing, I think it's we're because about it. we're finally actually shining light and spreading awareness about it. I think that's the yeah. big thing, especially in the last, you know, year and a half, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So a few uh, newspapers cautioned that legislation, not arson, was the preferred way to eliminate Chinese people from their communities. The only prominent voice against the Antioch violence was San Francisco's famed Emperor Norton, through his grievance, was also colored by economic concerns. Uh, the Antioch riot is a disgrace to Americans, he wrote in an Oakland 
Tribune op-ed. Now, therefore, we, Norton I. Dia Gracias Emperor, do hereby command the grand jury of Contra Costa County to indict the anti-Chinese leaders and have them brought to justice and thereby protect the Americans and other foreigners and commerce in China. For their part, the citizens of Antioch were largely unrepentant. The Antioch ledger blamed the Chinese residents for the arson attack, writing, had the women not returned, the property would have remained intact. Okay, that's <sighs> I mean, blaming. It just like being, I mean, it's like being Asian is one thing, being a woman is another. You know what I Even mean? Even worse. Oh somehow. my goodness. Even worse. Oh, and a uh, side note about Emperor Norton, he was not actually an emperor. He was this <laughs> guy who um, claimed to be the emperor of San Francisco. He just decided one day, I'm the emperor of San Francisco. And then for some reason, people kind of bought into it. And now he's kind of a steampunk uh, legend. I mean, he was very, very big in 2012. But they would have like Emperor Norton um, kind of festivals. But he's sort of like this, it's a sort of like that thing of everybody in San Francisco is kind of a, you know, crackpot and crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. part of that like like <laughs> legacy of craziness and weirdos. Wow. So that the, he just he decided he was emperor of San Francisco, and so everybody's just said, "Okay, wow, cool." Of course, <laughs> you are. Of course, he can get away with emperor. just giving himself that title. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead, you go ahead. But he's still uh, worshipped by many um, goggles wearing people. <laughs> very on the interesting. Playa. Very interesting. Very very into it. So uh, the events of 1876 had a century of ramifications for the demographics of Antioch. Even though some cheap Chinese people did eventually return to do business in the area, almost none felt safe permanently settling there again. Nearly 100 years later, the 1960 census recorded little over 17,000 people living in the town. 99.6% were white, just 12 residents were Chinese. 12. 12. Uh, that began to change, however, in the 80s and 90s as Antioch's population boomed. Contra Costa County town, ideal for commuters who couldn't afford San Francisco real estate prices, grew and changed. 62,000 people lived there in 1990, and 3,043 identified as AAPI. You know, it's so interesting just thinking about the 12 Chinese residents, and can you imagine how, like, alone they felt? Or, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like you think about numbers yeah. and like and like strength in numbers and how we have that now. We definitely have strength in yeah. numbers now because we're such a, you know, heavily growing population of people. And it's like there were only 12 of them. Only 12. Only 12. And it's really I mean, because it's almost as if like um, the fear had seeped into the ground. You know, it's like we just don't we're not we're not welcomed here. We don't they don't want us here. And then, you know, it stayed. So, uh Below the waterfront part of town, some of the tunnels were occasionally resurfaced by construction work. They were remarkably sturdy, with entrances framed in brick. And during Prohibition, they were supposedly used by rum runners, which, hey! <laughs> <laughs> this is multi-purpose. Multi-purpose tunnels multi over here. <laughs> so they were built for centuries of use. Wow. So the tunnels are, you know... They're still, they're there. still there. Yeah, they're still awesome. there. Interesting. Amazing. From the East Bay Times, in April of this year, mm. Mayor Lamar Thorpe acknowledged the wrongs Antioch's early residents inflicted on, against Chinese Americans and introduced a series of proposals to make amends. 
to remember the past, the mayor said he wants the city to designate a Chinatown historic district with historical markers and fund a permanent exhibit at the Antioch Historical Museum, as well as a community mural. He will also ask the city to officially apologize for the terrorizing of Chinese immigrants in its early years. I mean, can- and uh, just recently, it happened. They they just recently, yeah. they just recently, it- like like a couple days ago, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> officially yeah. apologized. Like I mean, seriously, they like a couple days ago, like they just said, "Our bad." That's the thing. It's like, first of all, can we get that apology uh, apology in writing? Uh, can we all get a copy of that? Um, I think it's it's just so overdue, and I want to say better late than never. But really, it took this pandemic, the racism around COVID, the hate crimes in the last year and a half, for people to finally realize that it was wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. before this year, this already should have been an apology. I mean, this was so long ago you know it's like i know it's 150 years late a dollar short <laughs> but it, it's an apology nonetheless you know it's like okay well that's it is significant because they're really there's no real sense of like any kind of apology or reparations for any of this damage done it's it's really you know and again like none of these people are alive and it's so hard to to have sort of like who would be the benefactors of this apology exactly? Right, right. I guess all of us, you know, sure. but um, and myself because I'm Chinese as well. Right, right. Yes. As, do people as, know that? Know. Do the listeners of the podcast know about this? Well, I have said this many times in the podcast, <laughs> but I will say it again. Uh, I am actually Chinese, one hundred percent Chinese. So according we can to my, play. Uh, DNA. We can play. We can play sisters, and no one will backlash. There will be no backlash. Absolutely, there can be no backlash because we are sisters. And yes. um, but it's a very. Uh, it was an interesting thing because my family um, at for a time they were Japanese, for a time they were Korean. Right now they're identifying as Korean, but really we're actually all Chinese. I, I just I'm so happy that you and I are on the same family tree. You know, Ancestry.com. We are. It, it's been confirmed I love by 23andMe. I am 50% Margaret Cho. I love it. <laughs> we are so, we are so good. And um, we, uh, I guess we, I guess we kind of accept the apology from the mayor of Antioch. You know. Uh, it's like, am I quick to sleep with the mayor of, you know, uh, Antioch so soon? No, but I'll, 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 you know, make him work for it. I'll make him work yeah. for the, my forgiveness. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I'm going to fuck with Antioch a little bit. Like, I'm cool with fucking with Antioch. <laughs> you said sorry, so I'm good. We're good. We're not good, but we're we're working on repairing our relationship with Antioch. Right. Like, I'll, I'll drive by on a road trip and maybe have a meal. It's cool. You know what I mean? It's cool. <laughs> I know. It's chill. I've actually never heard of Antioch in, of before today. I'll be honest with you. I knew of it because I grew up in San Francisco. Right, but I, right. I know, I don't think, I don't know if I've been there. I mean, I'm sure like, I don't know, passed through at some point, but I can't remember. It's, I can't remember it's, anything. It's an, it's an urban myth, this Antioch, and I, I want to find it. I want to go myself and see it in person and give it a piece of my mind. <laughs> yes. Well, um, 
I love you, Sherry Cola. Thank you so you. much for joining me today. Oh my goodness, Margaret. This is our, Ugh. this is, a, you know, you're my dream guest and we had such a great time mm-hmm. on Good Trouble and, um, you know, yeah. let's make more things. Absolutely. When life imitates art and when art imitates life, boo, you're truly uh, my fucking hero and I will have these conversations with you forever and always and we're absolutely gonna, oh, perfect. we're gonna pitch a multi-cam together. I'm putting that in the universe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> love it, Margaret. We Thank are. you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, my love. In Oakland, California, on May 19th, a 71-year-old man was brutally attacked, bitten, and dragged down an Oakland street in broad daylight, prompting a community leader and witness to speak out in hopes it will encourage others to do the same. The man is quite concerned about the cost of dental implants and other medical costs which are already mounting. If you'd like to contribute to the Nonprofit Oakland Chinatown Chamber Foundation, which will handle the man's case and other victims' cases. We will link the donation site in the show notes. If you want to support our show, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcast, and spread the word. Reach out to me on Twitter with your thoughts at Margaret Cho or at Instagram at Margaret underscore Cho. The Margaret Cho is produced by the Erios Network. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.